Laurie Rose, the two-time winner, takes the lead from Faulkner. That's the way they finish the first lap. It's Schumacher! It's Schumacher! Welcome to another episode of Pit Lane Parlay. I am your host, Mike Jokum. Matt is here again, and we have another Matt joining us from the Missed Apex podcast. So, guest host, Matt, how are you? And thanks for joining. I'm doing pretty well. I appreciate the invitation. It's always fun to make new friends. Yes, I agree. I, I always like sitting on the side where you don't have to like worry about hitting the record button and getting everything prepped because there's there's just no stress you sit back and and talk and it's uh it's a lot of fun matt hickey how was your uh your weekend you got some short track racing in yeah we got to go to elko with my parents it was pretty awesome very good time i always like having guests on the show although when he says he likes making new friends i'm still waiting to make friends with mike so (laughs) something we're working on but uh we'll get there at some point right maybe maybe in like year five we'll get it yeah, Matt likes to, or host Matt likes to make fun of me uh, every episode, but let's start with a word of condolences for Carlos Rudiman's family, uh, as Carlos passed away, I think, last week, if I'm not mistaken, early last week. I think we, we might have just missed it by a day for recording, which is typically what happens with us. So, yeah, I'm sad, sad to see. He was kind of a cool guy to follow when I was when I was little, but... Uh, Mr. Hickey, where do we go next? Yeah, just thinking of the Reutemann family and hopefully they get okay uh, during this difficult time. I don't know. Do you want to start out with a fun question? Kind of take it a little off topic? Yeah. Well, I guess not off topic, but uh, so the Goodwood Festival Speed, which is a bucket list item for me for sure. I want to get to there someday and hear some amazing cars go by. Wanted to get your guys' take. We can start with Matt. If they asked you to drive any Formula One car ever at the Goodwood Festival Speed, which is the one that you would take? The one that I would be least likely to crash, if I'm being honest. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what would that be then? One of those 06 cars with traction control, maybe? I don't know. Yeah, I'm not even really sure. Because even the ones from the old days were like, they were kind of mental to drive, you know. Yeah, I mean, like, the ones from maybe, let's say, the 60s, maybe not the fastest cars in the world, but, you know, it's just if you hit a wall, the fuel tank blows up and you die. So it's kind of a trade-off, I guess. Actually, you know what? Uh, Having thought about it, maybe like a 79 Lotus, that would be the one. There you go. All right. I'll take a 87 F1 car, the one where Senna got his first win in Monaco, purely because I was born in 1987 and... That was a pretty epic race that year, so I'm going based on that. Not to be awkward, but that was 88. It says 87 on YouTube right now. Oh, sorry. You're talking about a Lotus. I thought you were talking about his McLaren. No. Yeah, fair fair, fair point. Fair okay, point. sorry. Yeah, I guess that's an uncommon answer, but that's also a good one. I was thinking 05 McLaren. The, fair. I, don't, I have no Just last V10 car. Beautiful in every way, shape, and form. I would also 100% crash it, but that's okay. Yeah, where do we want to go next? Not much news-wise, man, is there? Lando. Poor Lando uh, got robbed. Yeah. I uh, uh, 
hope I hope he's okay. I, I think he got got jumped by a couple guys and got his watch stolen. I haven't seen anything since then. I don't know if yes, Matt has any input on that because I know he has co-hosts that are that are over there and maybe they know more than we know. But it's unfortunate. Yeah, I think um, the, the only thing I've really heard is that the watch was stolen. Uh, some people are saying that it is a one-off watch they made just for the just for the drivers. So it might be hard to unload. But really what it puts me in mind of is years ago, the same thing happened to Bernie Eccleston. He actually wound up getting a black eye, and then the watch company made an ad out of it. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it was funny because host Mike tweeted how much the Euros final was better than the NASCAR race, which I could have told you that from a mile away. But uh, just the kind of the behavior of some of the English fans as a whole was pretty deplorable between many trying to sneak into Wembley before the game and then what we heard about Lando and then the, you know, reprehensible, just awful uh, social media comments that were being directed at some of the black players in England after the loss was also just terrifyingly brutal. So not the best look when that also came out with Lando being mugged. I, I don't know. I saw something about a supercar. I don't know if his car got stolen too or if it was just the watch. But and it's either way. It's it's just a. It was a kind of a tough week for people looking at English fans and thinking, yeah, they're probably a, a group group of people. You know, there's just the unfortunate few that have to kind of ca- cast a spell over everybody. Really. Yeah, that's like being from. New York in Matt's case or Philadelphia in my case there's there's a section of our fan base that is completely insane and every Philadelphia fan will get blamed for throwing a snowball at Santa and that happened 30 years before I was even born so yeah I definitely definitely understand that the Eagles existed in 1920 uh I don't like I don't appreciate that but you know what we're going to keep things civil because we have a guest host on and I'm, I, you actually have, st- you, you've tripped me up over my words. <laughs> I totally forget where I was going to go with this one, but I guess the one thing that I expected this weekend, kind of Silverstone related, but not talking about the race itself is some sort of George Russell announcement. Cause that's been the, the rumor for many weeks now, Russell himself last night or this morning came out today and said, nothing will happen this weekend uh, announcement wise, but Red Bull said they they'd be interested in in Mr. George if 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 he wasn't retained by Mercedes in some capacity. So, what do you guys make of that? Is are we just are are we reading into nothing? No, oh, it's just that it is a it is full on between Red Bull and Mercedes, and this is just the latest pot shot uh, in the psychological warfare between the team bosses that we are seeing. It's been going on all season. But it's interesting the way, you know, that Russell worded that. He said there will be no announcement at Silverstone. And I've already seen some friends of mine who do PR are like, oh, that's just weasel words for we're going to pre-record it from somewhere else and announce it over the weekend. So I wouldn't rule out hearing something about it. But as people have suggested, they may be holding off until they sort out what's going to happen with Botas there. That's interesting because I was about to ask you, Matt, I was trying to play a scenario in my head today where... Pierre Gasly decided Red Bull wasn't in his best future and maybe I don't know what's out there because uh, McLaren's set 
I think Aston Martin is probably set. So there's not really a whole lot of vacancies out there for Gasly to go to, but I'm assuming he's going to want to take like a science trajectory somewhere and go to a Ferrari, a McLaren, an Alpine at some point in his career. He's not going to stay at AlphaTauri forever. And I was wondering if Russell would be a good fit at AlphaTauri, therefore, but I don't think there's any room for him unless Sonoda gets put on the bench, which I don't see happening either. So I don't know where that would leave Russell in Red Bull if they did pursue him. Uh, He would be the person who came in when Perez moved on. You know, I mean, and frankly, I, they would they would just to mess with Mercedes. They they would absolutely do that. And that that first season of drive was it the first season of Drive to Survive, where um, uh, Renault signed Ricardo out from under Red Bull because yeah. Red Bull were ditching their engines, yeah. and and you could just see Cyril Beatbull just relishing every second of that announcement as Christian Horner had to just sit there and go, hey, thanks. <laughs> so it's all this kind of gamesmanship is always going on at the boss level in Formula One is absolutely true. I think that would be fun. This is definitely, I think, behind the scenes, the most fun a season has been in, in a while, just because there's so many moving parts and so many jabs back and forth. And I'm all for for a little behind the scenes game or two. Let's first, this is the, the debut of the sprint qualifying sprint race whatever you want to call it so this is what will happen this weekend then we'll kind of talk about the sprint qualifying or sprint race whatever you want to call it traditional standard qualifying takes place friday evening i think it's like friday at 1 p.m eastern time that sets the grid for the sprint race the sprint race then is saturday uh, late morning eastern time i believe and there are no mandatory pit stops in the sprint race. I think it's 17 laps. The top three gets points, and then uh, the sprint race will also be used twice later in the year. So while I look up the timing of everything, gentlemen, what do, what do we think? Is this going to be a, a good experiment, a bad experiment? What are, what's, the, what's your gut feeling say right now? I am personally looking forward to it for the following reason. It means on Sunday, everybody starts with a free choice of tires. Now, they are getting rid of the Q2 tire rule for next season. But if we just look back at the races in Austria, uh, we saw Ferrari in the last race qualify in the medium tire, start 11th and get signs all the way up to 5th. And were it not for Perez having one of the worst races he's had in ages, you would have seen Leclerc up there too. But the teams that chose to qualify on the soft tires got absolutely murdered. The midfield teams, that is. And all, all of the, all the top-tier teams were through on the medium tires. This has just been a thorn in the side of the midfield forever, this rule. At least now we're going to get to see a Sunday race where that doesn't apply. So that alone makes it worthwhile, in, in my estimation. Yeah, when this idea was first publicized a while ago, I think Mike and I both came to the same conclusion that we didn't know really what to expect, but we would give it a fair shake. And the mentality that Formula One and the leadership are taking, you know, Ross Braun came out yesterday, I think, and said that this is not going to be a mainstay within Formula One. It's just going to be something to switch it up every now and then. So I'm a little worried that it's going to be a little processional. I don't know how many guys are going to be sending it. Uh, But again, the Q1, Q2, Q3 qualifying can be a little stale at times. So at least we're going to switch that up and and try something new. So I'm all going to, I'm going to give it a fair shake this weekend and see, you know, how it looks. And I'm assuming we'll 
discuss it on Tuesday when we record next week. Yeah, I'm intrigued because I feel like as the weekend goes on, it's going to create more of an opportunity for a little bit of chaos because the cars are in part for May after Friday. So you really have to be quote unquote dialed in by Friday. So you know, whatever setup you're you're going with, you're you're you don't have Saturday to make any changes in that in that final practice. But like I mentioned, the qualifying is Saturday, one PM Eastern. The sprint race Saturday, eleven thirty AM Eastern, and then the race itself is Sunday at ten AM Eastern. I really like when these races aren't at like five AM, which I think we have a few of those coming at, at some point soon. But Matt, should we add a uh, sprint race prediction to our predictions uh, list coming up here? We're just doing sprint race winner. Sprint race? No, we we got to do sprint race one, two, and three. You have to ha- no, yeah, let's do sprint race one, two, and three. I don't know how much you ask a lot of me to keep track of all this. Yeah, that's that's. I mean, that's what you got a notepad for. Is it? Yeah, okay. I mean, that's what I. That's listen. That's what you as a youth can do is is have a good memory and write stuff down. Yeah, I'm using my phone, Mike. You'd use Quill and Ink, so let's not <laughs> compare you to me real quick. But, um, And I, I did see, and I don't know if either of you guys saw this, Ferrari changed their floor design around, and it has finally started to pay off back in Austria too, I think. So I'm, I think we're starting to see, I don't want to say Ferrari – a renaissance at Ferrari, but at least they're going to be more competitive. Aren't they like the Mercedes where they said they weren't going to do anything to their car and now they're doing things to their car? Yes. Yes. Mercedes, Mercedes quote unquote, last upgrade is coming this weekend. <laughs> do either of you believe that this is the last Mercedes upgrade? Well, it's, it's an interesting thing. Uh, they obviously want to spend as much money and time as they can on next year's car. Uh, they are now slightly advantaged because of the change in the wind tunnel timings. Now that Red Bull is officially ahead, they get less time. Mercedes gets, it, it's a 5% swing. So it's not huge, but they've got a little extra time to spend. But the interesting thing to me is we still don't exactly know where that token that they had available to them was spent. Now, uh, friends of mine in the technical world, at least one of them is convinced they have a new nose waiting, but they haven't been able to use it because the car itself didn't work like they expected when they showed up in uh, Bahrain for testing. So I would say that if you see this upgrade work the way they plan, you might see the whole of their A package for this season on the car. And if you see that, then it could be a very much more interesting looking championship. Um, you know, they will be less on the back foot, I would say. So what you're saying then is this mysterious Mercedes upgrade token, which has been talked about in the media for a couple months now, I guess, this, let's call it a nose, might not be used, but it might be used if this other upgrade actually works. Otherwise, they might just hold on to it and and not actually put it out into uh, production, let's say. Yeah, because the, the the way the car works is the front and the back have to connect. And I think I think from my understanding, what's happened is that they struggled with issues at the back they didn't anticipate. So if you can't use the back to the extent you anticipated and you put an even pointier front on it, you're just going to unbalance the car even more. Right? The forces at the back and the front have to 
meet in the middle so the car drives the way the drivers want it to. Matt, I only have one more thing before we, we dive into predictions, and it's again in the news for, like I think, like the third straight race, race is the quote-unquote gentleman's agreement oh, has again get, made get the news. F- yes, I know. It's, it's really annoying. Michael Massey said it's up to the drivers to sort it out. Can't. Well, he's not wrong, right, though? Right. But why, why, Matt, guest Matt, I will turn it over to you. Do the drivers need to sort something out, or can we just say this unwritten rule is a waste of time and it, we should stop talking about it in the media? All right. So, so I will break it down as per my understanding at the last race in Austria is where it really all went wrong. And the, and what you had Mazzy say is you're not allowed to slow down between the last two turns. And there's a reason for that, because when you come over the crest of the next to last turn, what's in front of you is entirely unsighted and you are going very, very, very fast. So if you come over and someone's backed all the way off, you're talking about, do you remember the collision in Magello when they did the restart under the safety car? You're talking about that kind of a collision. It's not a safe thing. So he said, you're not allowed to go slow there. So what happened was going out, um, it was uh, it was Vettel who got stuck, went out way in advance of the last run, and here comes everybody out later. They pass them all between turn eight and nine, nine being the next last turn, and then they all have to slow way down. So they're going at what, I mean, honestly, it looks like I could jog faster into turn nine, and then as soon as they get to what you might call the exit, suddenly they speed up, so technically they're not breaking the rules. But the real issue was... They all went and stuffed themselves into these gaps that the drivers had already gone out and created. So essentially, it created the situation Mazzy was trying to avoid. And the reason it was created was because people were passing on the way down to that last turn and they're just filling up all the gaps. So I think if you're looking at it from a safety point of view, I think it's a little disingenuous of him to say that because if he was wanting to present, prevent people from being slow there, then you need to make sure that 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 situation can't occur again. Now, Alonzo had a suggestion. He's like, you should just give us a Delta time. That way, that way you, yeah. you, you're, you're not, you know, somebody's not going to go too fast or too slow. We're going to stay in the same order. And look, it's on you if you don't get your drivers out on time. It's, but it's, they love to play at Friday, five o'clock rush hour. The drivers do. They love to play it at Monza. There's several tracks where getting up the absolute last is to the biggest advantage. And so that sort of a poker game is, has always been a part of it. But it, it was particularly egregious, I would say, at the Red Bull ring. So what is your personal opinion on, because we connected it to baseball and how we don't like gentlemen's agreements and gentlemen's rules in baseball. Do you understand the sentiment in a and agree with the sentiment of gentlemen's rules in qualifying in Formula One, or do you think it's kind of nonsensical? Well, I mean, in this case, it doesn't it doesn't affect the racing. It's not like okay, I tell you what, if you're here and I'm here, I won't try and pass you. It's not that kind of a gentleman's agreement. It's it's more of a more of a once the queue gets to this point in the lap. We're not going to pass each other so we don't fill up the gaps and cause a problem. I don't have a problem with people breaking it, but if it's a safety concern, then I think it's something that should be regulated and enforced. Fair. Fair. I forgot one more topic before we do our predictions. Story time, since I had a run-in with Mr. Story oh, over the last couple of days. No. Does Matt know yes. about this? 
I don't know about this, but I'm instantly intrigued. Do tell. Yes. So, for everybody who remembers, and Matt, I'll give you a chance if you have any good William Story stories. (laughs) (laughs) Better than yours? William Story, Matt, a couple months ago told me when I said that he was a fraud, blah, blah, blah. He said, (laughs) I think I can win you over. Oh, by the way, I should backtrack even further. He skipped an interview with us three separate times. The last time, which I think was what eight a.m. Eastern. No. Eastern. Yeah, it was, it was like it was during the workday because I specifically rearranged my work schedule to try and get into it. Yeah. And, and he just didn't he show didn't up. Didn't show up. I sat on Zoom or whatever for an extra forty-five minutes, give or take, kind of doing emails. An hour and a half goes by, and he finally replies to me and says so sorry i got busy can you can you chat in 15 minutes no i have stuff to do i have meetings etc couldn't do it yeah and i know there's two sides of the story here but this is like the god's honest truth like we're not just doing this for the sake of maligning william's story like we mike posted the screenshot of his conversation where he said no we cannot just do it whenever you want like we have a schedule we have to keep so like we're not just doing this for the sake of maligning him like this is honestly the truth that we can actually prove Yes, I. It's really nice when you can actually prove that you aren't aren't full of shit, and that I was actually telling the truth to him. So he told me, uh, "What day is it? Tuesday? It's probably Friday or Saturday." Oh yeah, I was gonna call you Slim Jim, but I forgot. Yeah, he called me Slim Jim, which <laughs> doesn't make any sense because my name is not Jim. And, <laughs> like I'm not I'm not fat, but I'm not slim. And then he told me I skipped the interview was interesting then he told me well then you know a couple months ago he said well i will win i'll make you a rich energy fan i'll send you some rich energy it was may 1st still don't have it two and a half months later i know you're i know you're surprised i know you're you're really surprised right now so i i was bored friday night or saturday and and i replied to some nonsensical tweet he had about i think it was like you know calling COVID a hoax again or you know the usual garbage he has and he's he so yeah he said that and he also said i never promised you rich energy now granted i i didn't want to go back to early may and find this tweet but thank you to chris albrecht who is a listener of the show who actually dug through all of william story's tweets to find the tweet where he said that i will send you rich energy so that is the latest story time on my end is my weekend battle with William Story. Matt, do you have any fun William Story insights that we can add before we, we get to our Silverstone weekend predictions? No, but I do have an empty can of the original yes. Rich Energy uh, here in my office because uh, at, at one of our um, carding events, someone actually bought a whole bunch and brought me one. But that meant that I was forced to drink it before I traveled back internationally because as we all know, bringing fluids through uh, airplane airport security is, is no longer a thing that one can do. Yes. Yeah, two thoughts. First of all, yes, Chris deserves like the rich energy throne of honor for a week for finding <laughs> that tweet. And the second is that, uh, Matt, if you were to go take a piss in a toilet, you could always just go take that empty can and dunk it in real quick and then try to enclose it. And there you go. You got another can of rich energy. So 
yeah, it's 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 not so good. I've had it thanks to Indy Lights driver Toby Sowery when he had their logo on the rear wing a couple of years ago. He had a, a case at the at the Indy Lights races every every weekend. I think he said he still has like pallets and pallets and pallets of that crap in his yeah. He his told us that or in his apartment. It is one of the more hilarious uh, byproducts of uh, the uh, search for sponsorship. Um, but I have a, I have a question for you too, because I know that you do IndyCar too, and um, it's come up. There's two rules that that I'd be get curious to get your input on. One of them is the qualifying rule, the crashing and qualifying rule, and and how you think that might whether or not that would work in Formula One or not. And the other is I know that the the rules for um, defending. In, in IndyCar are much more strict than they are in Formula One. But we saw the whole Perez thing and um, pushing people out wide on the exit of corners and stuff like that. And I was just curi- curious what IndyCar would make of a similar situation there. Would that absolutely be on one person or the other? I don't know if it's more strict. I just think they not necessarily enforce things more. They just call more stuff. But a lot of the penalties that are handed out are usually like give the position back, not drive through and ruin your whole race or five second penalty that you have to serve under a pit stop. So I think in those situations with IndyCar, if they had shoved someone off the track into a gravel trap in a 50 50 ish type situation, I think IndyCar race control probably would have let those go. Running should be simple. Just put on your shoes and go. And yet when you try to learn about how to get better at it, especially as you age, You're confronted with conflicting advice, complicated workouts, and confusing nutrition trends that just won't work for you. On The Planted Runner, I'll share exactly how to run faster, longer, and feel great doing it at any age because you don't have time to waste. I'm Coach Claire Bartholik, and I went from not running at all in my late 30s to finishing a marathon in 2.58 at age 42, all on a plant-based diet. I've helped hundreds of runners achieve new personal records well into their 60s and even 70s with science-backed training, plant-based nutrition, and proven mental strength techniques. Each episode of The Planted Runner is like a private coaching session on the run where you'll learn from me and the guests I interview. You'll get actionable lessons to help you become a better runner every week and reach goals you never thought possible. Whether you're training for your first 5K or your 50th marathon, take along the planted runner on your next run. Let me show you how your best running is still ahead of you. Hey there, and welcome to the Joy of Paddle podcast, hosted by me, Minter Dial, a veteran of the paddle tennis world, and sponsored by Paddle 1969. Whether you're a paddle tennis aficionado, just beginning or have never even heard of paddle or padel as it's called in North America. This is an exhilarating new show that delves into the captivating stories of notable paddle personalities worldwide. In its inaugural season, you'll be treated to exclusive anecdotes, valuable tips, life lessons, and humorous moments shared by esteemed professional paddle players, industry insiders, and passionate paddle enthusiasts. With each season aligning with the pro tour, you can anticipate two engaging episodes per month. The Joy of Paddle Podcast is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, where you can find other great shows in a number of categories, such as sports, health and wellness, true crime, and fiction. To find out more about Evergreen Podcasts, go to www.evergreenpodcast.com.
¡Vamos! I think if yeah. you, you know, broke 20 meters too late, completely creamed into a guy and knocked them off the track, then they would have called some sort of avoidable contact penalty. But they're, in that situation, they would have given them a drive-through. But I think in the three, in the F1 world that we saw at Austria, I think they would have let those slide. And then for qualifying, I think it the if you cause a red flag, you lose your two fastest laps would absolutely work. And I think another thing that formula one has going in its favor is that they're not afraid to take the extra time and say to F2, F3 or whoever's after them, like, Nope, we need the track for another 20 minutes versus like IndyCar often can't do that because the schedules on race weekends are so tight with other series that if it would actually work better in formula one, just because they can extend a session or move things around a little more freely than IndyCar could. Cause sometimes IndyCar actually screws themselves with red flags and whatnot to the point where guys don't get a good run. So I don't know if Mike has anything to add there. I agree with your penalty assessment. I'm I'll, I'll leave that as is. I, I think IndyCar calls more things, but definitely, you know, there's there's not too many time penalties that are called. It's hey, give the position back, or drive through penalty, or you know, restart at the the end of the the field if it's you know a pit lane penalty under caution. But the qualifying rule, yeah, I really like the fact that you cause a red flag in IndyCar, you lose your two fastest laps. You cause a yellow flag, you you lose your fastest lap. You don't slow for a yellow and you, you lose your fastest lap. You don't have to worry about grid penalties and resolving it Saturday night after a race. And yeah, F1, you know, this weekend is, is I think, just F2 I saw. I was just looking at this. Yeah, F2 is, is the only other series there on, on track this weekend. So you've got time. So the one thing I actually wish IndyCar would do that F1 does is, you know, if there's a red flag in qualifying, they stop the clock. IndyCar, the clock keeps running, and I hate that. So I I would almost like to see like F1 adopt the penalty strategy for qualifying, but IndyCar adopt the fact that the red flag should stop the clock because half the time then these guys get if they're lucky one good lap when you know it, and then that screws up the qualifying groups and and whatnot. So yeah, I think it's a fair fair question, and I know. I, I hope Formula One changes it, but uh, I do appreciate the uh, the question. Matt, you want to do predictions? Oh, God. Do I have to lead this? All right. So, what do we got? 53 lap, 52 lap Silverstone? So, we got a fun time yeah. ahead of us here. Start with Matt. Who is – so, when we do these predic- predictions, it's all about how you frame it. So, for example, the first one we do is who's going to do good. That doesn't necessarily mean who's going to win. It's just, you know, if George Russell finishes P11, that is obviously a very good day by his standards. So out of everybody in the field, who do you think is going to do good in relativity to how well they should be doing? Well, I think um, I think Hamilton will do good. It's his home track. He he always drives well. I mean, he won on three wheels there last year, for goodness sake. It's it, it's bound to be a decent race for him, for sure. Um, so 
for starters, I'd put his name out there. Um, hard to overlook Verstappen in the same breath because they, I feel like they're both just like a cut above, but Norris will be my, will be my secret bet, especially for the, for the qualifying race. I would not be surprised to see him hang on and be starting on the front row or the second row of the grid. Host Mike. Wow. Okay. I am going to take Sergio Perez. I think after a rough Austria too, he's probably kind of determined to put that in his past. And I think all in all, he's, he's going to have a good weekend. I don't think he's going to be one of the three podium. Maybe he gets third in the sprint race, but comes come Sunday, I think he's in prime position for a, a podium. I wonder why teams like Haas even bother with the sprint race. If I was like, you know, what is the point for us to be out here? Uh, I'm going to say Sergio Perez's arch nemesis, Charles Leclerc, is going to have a good day. I think he's never going to say it, obviously, but I bet signs doing well recently is probably uh, adding a chip to his shoulder and I think he's going to want to come and show that he's still the ban- the man of Ferrari this weekend. All right, Matt. Now, kind of same sort of category based on, you know, where they should be running. Who's going to have a bad weekend at Silverstone? Well, I hate to say it, but it is kind of the obvious choice, uh, and especially relatively speaking. I think Ricardo. Oh, yeah. That's uh, the I'm, I'm rem- target of Mr. Hickey here. I'm remembering his race from last year where he, he also at Renault did not have the best of races there. Uh, and it was a self-inflicted error. He admitted it, which I, I will hand it to him. When it's his fault, he's he's perfectly happy to admit it. But um, it was it just a comment, I think, that Andrea Seidel dropped that, you know, they're a little disappointed it's taking him this long to get up to speed. And if your team boss is saying that out loud to anybody... I can only imagine, like, you know, how difficult life is for him at this particular moment. Yeah. Can you imagine what's being said behind the scenes if that's what's being said publicly? Oh, I got? guess it's my turn. It is yeah, your my turn. bad. It, it, it is my turn. I sometimes forget the forget the, the order of, of my own show here. Let's see. Let's go with... No, I can't pick him again. I can't pick Alonzo for like the ninth straight week because it hasn't worked once. So let's go with my other favorite pick, Valtteri Bottas. He's under a lot of pressure. It's Silverstone. There are all eyes are going to be on George Russell and Lewis Hamilton this weekend, and you know there may or may not be some sort of announcement. So I think Bottas might might have a, a rough uh, rough go of it. And I'm going to say your favorite driver in Esteban Ocon. Ever since he's put pen to paper, his season's gone to shit. So I expect to see that uh, trend continue. Matt, so we're for this question, we usually take out Mercedes, Red Bull, McLaren, and Ferrari. So who would your dark horse top 10 pick be to finish in the points? Mercedes, Red Bull. McLaren, Ferrari. So some of the more maybe obvious top 10 finishers each week yeah yeah no no i i'm there i i I mean i'm gonna think i'm I'm gonna go with i think vettel has a good time of it he beat stroll on merit the aston seems to be coming to him a little bit they are putting more developments on that car than any anyone else on the grid except for maybe red bull 
And it'd be, yeah, I would be down with Vettel, you know, getting a decent result here. Well, since you took my pick, I'll take his teammate, Lance no, Stroll. No, you. <laughs> I like, it doesn't happen often when I, when I snipe one from Matt, but I really like when I do. All right, well, then I'm going to go with your other boy and say Fernando Alonso is going to finish in the top 10. Because, no, you know what? Yeah, no. Yeah. No, you, you said it. You can't change it. I know. You're, I was going to say I picked a Gasly, but that's, like, almost too much of a dunk. Uh, do we do a Q1 prediction this week? Does the qualifying on Friday the standard format? Yeah. Yeah. It, it is. Um, do you, in, do, interesting because you don't get an overnight driver in the loop to sort out all your setups, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, do we want to let's let's skip that and leave the sprint race one. All right. So who is going to what are we saying? Top three or just who wins? It's let's do top three. Let's 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 spice it up here. So top three are the only people who get points for the sprint race. So, yeah, you're you're three sprint race finishers or point point finishers. All right. Let me see. I'm I, I'm going to stick with my people who are going to have a good race. This I'm going to go. Well, I don't know. That's a toughie though. I'm going to go with uh, Verstappen, Hamilton, and Norris in no particular order. I will go with. Let's see here. I'll go with Lando, Max, and Sergio puts in a good couple laps. Let's let's go with Gasly. Let's 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 take sort of a dark horse there. I can almost promise you that that's not going to be right. I can promise you that it's not going to be right. Just so Matt knows, my predictions are never right. Yeah, I don't bet on mine either because, uh, you know, as soon as I say them, I think of nine reasons why I should have picked somebody else. (laughs) Well, I'm going to go ahead and pick the most common podium in the history of Formula One and say Hamilton, Bostas, and Verstappen. Hamverbot. Yes, because I am so lame at all of this that I'm just going to... This is your lamest prediction you've ever had in all of the multiple episodes we've done, ever. I think one time, I think one time last year, you're like, who's going to have a good weekend? You're like, Lewis Hamilton. It's like, well, no shit, Sherlock. Like, of course, Lewis Hamilton's going to have a good weekend. Did I really say that? All right. Yeah. I mean, it's obviously, it's more, it's more out there this year since he has a one in, you know, six races or whatever. But all right. I had one more topic before we, uh, before we sign off here so i know mike has been playing the new formula one game and matt you look about 30 years younger than mike so i was wondering if you are a gamer at all if you've had a chance to dabble on formula one or if you've seen anything written about it uh since it's come out and had any thoughts about it i haven't seen anything and and i hate to be that guy but actually if we're talking about that kind of stuff i racing is the one that i play so oh well there's no shame to that i mean that's actually yeah. you're more fancy we'll say i uh if i wreck somebody on formula one i can go home and sleep at night and know that that nothing's gonna happen to me and i don't have to worry about my rating getting affected <laughs> <laughs> yeah but, i i have seen the odd rage quit over i rating <laughs> loss and it's not a pretty sight <laughs> yeah Host, what are your thoughts yeah, the, about the game? I I really like it. It's it's definitely a, a little little bit tougher than than last year's with the little bit less downforce on the cars. Uh, the braking seems to be a little bit different. But I I think today, you know, I, I did a couple races. I had a quiet day at work, so I was able to to have some fun. It's it's tougher, but I I think once I get the hang of it, I will I will really enjoy it. I'm really enjoying it already. I know I'm gonna be bugging you mr hickey 
for help at Monaco because I literally can't finish a lap at Monaco. I just am completely blind. Yeah, we can do a session whenever you want, man. Um, yeah. It might cost you a beer or something, but... That's fine. I'll Venmo you. All right. Yeah, I think my because you know we've had less than twenty four hours with the game. Today's Tuesday, and it came out at like seven o'clock last night. So, um, yeah, my first impressions are the car handles very similarly, which I appreciate because I had a pretty good grasp on the last car. the The one thing that stands out for sure is the curbs. The curbs are a lot more unpredictable and ruthless. This game um i've only done laps at bahrain and so far i'm just taking like a curb on corner exit that i would normally take 100 percent no not a shit given and it like spins me around for no reason so that is well i thought the last game had that for like the first month and then i think they fixed some of them um i also think oh sorry go ahead well i know the first ever formula one game that came out f1 2010 the curbs were ridiculous in that game. Like, you touched it's one and you spawned. Yeah, it was <laughs> horrible. Um, so I hope they fix that. And then I am kind of disappointed. I know there's COVID and pandemic, and I don't know the working situations of Codemasters and EA and the craziness of the F1 schedule, but I'm quite disappointed that not only are the historic venues not ready, but Magello, or I'm sorry, not Magello, Portimao, Imola, and Jetta. Turkey are not ready. Uh, Jetta's not ready. None of the short tracks are ready. Uh, but they got China. China's in there, even though it's not on the schedule. Uh, <laughs> um, so, yeah, for our racing league, it's kind of throwing things into a flux for a little bit. We don't really, we're going to have to like kind of do our schedule on the fly for this season. It's kind of a bummer. But, uh, yeah, but all, otherwise, the graphics look great. The car handles really well. So, Fantastic. so far, really positive there. Yeah, the only thing I have to add is it, it feels like you really have to be deliberate with braking this year like you can't just you can't get away with missing your braking zone a little bit like you have to really you have to nail it so it's um it's definitely i'm, I'm not going to say it's eye racing but it's more simulation like than than in years past and you know you got to nail the braking zone and also you know corner entry and corner exit i i did restart my first lap at Baku about 18 times because I just wasn't nailing it right and so yeah anyway fun game fun game I think definitely. the iRacing guy is laughing in his head right now when you said that yeah most 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 definitely iRacing can't doesn't even I mean this doesn't actually even compare to to iRacing but yeah guest host Matt thank you very much for joining pleasure uh, you can you can find uh, Matt Show, Missed Apex Podcast, on all the podcast platforms. And I will make sure to tag the show and you in social media when we uh, release this. So, guys, check out check out Missed Apex as well. And, Matt, thanks for joining. Yeah, I had a great time. Appreciate the invitation. Yeah, no problem. Guys, have a lovely weekend of racing. Have you ever wanted to know how to win a Formula One Grand Prix? I mean, really know. Know about the driver tactics from the cockpit, the strategy calls from the pit wall, and even the mind games in the paddock. 
There's a lot more that goes into winning a Grand Prix than just 90 minutes of racing. So every week on the F1 Strategy Report, we're taking a deep dive into the decisions that shape every result. Hey there, my name is Michael Laminato, and every week I'm joined by an expert guest from the paddock to talk through the big calls that won the race and the missteps that resulted in bitter defeat. Before every race, we'll look back at the previous year's result and consult the current form guide, and we'll be in your feed after every Grand Prix, dissecting the outcome and what it means for the championship. So for your regular hit of Formula One analysis, subscribe to the F1 Strategy Report wherever you get your favourite podcasts. The Strategy Report is a beer mogul podcast on the Evergreen Podcasts Network. My name's Michael Laminato, and I'll catch you after the chequered flag.